Ridiculous. Welcome to Ridiculous, an extensive look into the world of Harry Potter. I'm Samantha. I'm Julia. And I'm Robin. And we're digging deeper into a world we love to learn more about the wizarding world. Welcome back. Hey. Hello, everyone. So this week we're going to talk about... Do what? (laughs) This week we're going to talk about the love goods. I hate it. I always hated that. (sighs) I did too. I don't like it. I just... I don't like it. I just... I relate to Luna, so... I don't know. Oh, I love her. I absolutely love her. She is awesome. But I hate that loony name. Yeah, I just, it's just, yeah. There's a lot of examples in, of bullying in Harry Potter, and I feel like that's one of them. Look at us just diving right in. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> we never do this. Well, Jules has some information. She has some. Just some Potter news. Yeah, some Potter Watch news. Okay, even though I'm sure by now most people know that um, WizardingWorld.com is having members of the Potterverse read chapters of... Right now it's the Sorcerer's Stone slash Philosopher's Stone. Um, it is amazing. I cried listening to Daniel Radcliffe read chapter one. Um, and Noma... I can never say her last name. Dumezwini. I probably said that horrible. I'm terribly sorry. She read chapter two, The Vanishing Glass. And that was released yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. Um, but yeah, I think this is awesome to kind of like brighten up, you know, this dull quarantine. Because the, the Wizarding World is starting, like, has started um, Harry Potter at home. Kind of like engage everyone. Wait, what is this Harry Potter home? I've missed this. But yeah, it's on. It's it's on the WizardingWorld.com, and like right now, like they have the two chapters of Sorcerer's Stone slash Philosopher's Stone. Um, and they're gonna like each week they're gonna have a different person read from the book. Um, if if they don't have Robbie Coltrane. Read the chapter, The Keeper of the Keys. <laughs> I'm putting the book first. So like, you have to have Hagrid read so Hagrid's Is it just part. them reading the book, or is there, like, more to it? Um, oh. That's kind of it right now. I think they're still gotcha. kind of, like, feeling everything out. Like, the, the Harry Potter at Home website is part of mm-hmm. um, the wizardingworld.com. So they're kind of like integrating both while kind of, while entertaining everyone. But you can definitely tell Daniel Radcliffe is at home. You can hear That's like awesome. cars in the background. I'm trying to log into my Wizarding World account so I can pull up the other readers. But yeah, they definitely need Robbie Coltrane to read the yeah, Keeper of the Keys. I mean... It's hard enough to read Hagrid, so I don't know who else could pull it off besides Hagrid. Right. Yeah, okay. Jim Dale. Jim Dale's the exception to everything, Hagrid. though. The man is like 
second to J.K. Rowling. Yeah, that's true. I just started listening to his to his readings. Wait, like you just started listening to like what audiobooks in general, like. No, no, so to Jim Dale reading the books because I was listening to Stephen Fry. Or like, I have listened to Stephen Fry read the books. Robin and I both very much love Jim Dale. Whatever. Yeah. Jim, Jim Dale's way better. He has more um, character in it than Stephen Fry. Like, Stephen Fry just reads it. And he has a little bit of inflection, but Jim Dale puts way more into each character. Yeah, I don't. I've. I'm a purist. I've never even attempted to listen to, um, Stephen Fry. So, yeah. But, but like my thing is too. Okay, the books were geared towards a British audience, so I want to hear someone from Great Britain read the book to me. That's what. Where do you think Jim Dale is from? He's British. Oh, I didn't know. I thought maybe he was American. I don't know. I don't no. pay attention to these things. I just listen. No, he's Britain. Oh, he's British. What I really want is David Attenborough to read it to me. That's what I really want. <laughs> David Attenborough. He does all of like the documentaries. The yes, guy like- from Jurassic Park. The guy that created Jurassic Park. That is David Attenborough. The okay. guy in the white hat. You know what I'm talking about? Many years. Yeah. He's the one that, you know, he was the rich man that created oh, Jurassic okay. Park. That's David Attenborough. Wow. I just know him from all of like the Planet Earth documentaries because I'm like obsessed with those. If it's not historically related, but I don't <laughs> uh, watch the documentary or murder because I'm weird like that. Okay. All right. So here's seven readers that they have lined up. Well, it'd be five new ones um, Daniel Radcliffe, Stephen Fry, David Beckham, Dakota Fanning, Claudia Kim, Noma Domizwini, oh, and Reddy Edmain. Why David Beckham? Eddie Redmayne, yeah. I was like, who's Reddy Edmain? <laughs> I totally I had like, like a dyslexic. <laughs> I was like, he sure sounds like Eddie Redmayne. <laughs> I had a total like dyslexia moment there. Don't mind me. <laughs> so I don't. I'm not so, a Dakota fan. But like fan, I said, so I don't really like that. What did she even? Exactly. What did David she even Beckham have to do too, with the I Potter mean, verse? Maybe she's a fan. And yeah. David Beckham, mm-hmm. like, no. Maybe they're fans and they just reached out and they well, were the hell, people that said too. they were I'm willing afraid. to do it. I mean, it's like a last-minute thing. It's not. You guys <laughs> got to give them a little bit of slack. They're in the middle yeah, of the but too. like, I feel like they're scraping the bottom of the barrel with the code of fanning. That's At least true. they got Daniel Radcliffe, though, because ever since Deathly Hallows 2, like, Daniel Radcliffe, like, fell off the face of the Potterverse. Like, he was done. He, like, wouldn't even talk about Harry Potter on, like, yeah. talk shows. Well, can you blame him? Right. I mean, he became an alcoholic because of this. Not, I'm not not blaming the Potterverse, but I'm just saying it was so stressful on him. He turned well, to drinking to deal with the stress. Yeah, there's. I mean, that that's was, a he lot had a huge a stigma kid. to live up to, and he did though. So, or I feel he did at least. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, he did. Oh, yeah. He. Yeah, he did fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, and Claudia Kim is the one who plays Nagini. Okay. In um, Fantastic Beasts. Oh, okay. Which Uh I had a thought when we watched. Okay, so last week we talked about um, Fantastic Beasts, and then we uh, talked about um, Graves, and you know, he was looking for a child. And we had talked, I was like, oh, we're going to have to rewatch those to find out, you know, and he did. He said, I don't know, you know, my vision only showed me a child. It didn't show me whether it was a girl or boy. Um, so he knew he was looking for a child around eight or ten, but he, he didn't know what the gender was. So after I got done watching that, I said, oh, I have got to go ahead and watch um, the second one. So I was sitting there and I was, I was what, and I actually bought the one that came with the extended scenes. So I have the choice to watch either the regular theatrical release or the extended scenes. And as I, I was sitting there watching, there's a, there's a scene with Nagini and, um, Credence on sitting on top of a, um, roof they're sitting on top of a rooftop and she says show me the magic and he lifts his hand and he opens his palm and the uh what do you call it the obscure obscure the obscurus is that right obscurus comes the 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 spirit comes from the obscurus. So Ariana was the obscurus, and the obscuriole is Credence. Okay, so the black stuff, which is what is it's the black the, stuff? It's what the is same it? thing. It's, it's just the that's an obscuriole. Yes. Okay. Well, anyway, the black stuff, however we want to call it, comes out of him, and. It's like he was controlling it. it. It wasn't like that it was controlling him. Like in the first movie where he really didn't have control over it, it was just all pure rage. He had control over it in this so, particular scene. And I was sitting there. Go ahead. Going, I'll, I'll come back yeah, to it because I it, it's kind of going to lead into maybe a theory discussion. Okay, so as as he's de- demonstrating this to her, and it goes out and does this little dance thing, and then comes back, and it actually passes through her, and then comes back to him. As he's sitting there, and he he releases it from himself, when it comes back to him, he's hunched over in concentration. So it's like he is actually very calm. But he's having to concentrate to control it. So it got me thinking, maybe he's not a true obscurial or obscurus. Maybe the obscurial or whatever, the black thing created, there's a theory, created credence as a shell 
so that it could survive. Yeah. Does that make sense? Why does it? Why? I, yeah. I don't know. So that, so that Credence is actually not a pure human being. He was created out of magic to house the obscure or obscurus or whatever, whichever, what it's called. And that's why he's lived so long. That's why he's so well, much but that, older. That's kind of leading into the, what I was going to ask is that, um, <sighs> Creedence found like a place where he belonged, where like he could use like his hey. magic and powers and whatnot. Yeah. So yeah, like maybe the Obscurial just sort of turned into a power he could wield versus an all-consuming thing. Make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Because and, and then too with with Nagini because she's also a witch. Like she's yeah. comforting. But is him. she a witch? Is she a witch? That's she, a, she another question be. that I had. Why? Why would she have to be? Because she she had to have some kind yeah. of magical blood if she has a blood curse. But that doesn't necessarily make her a full on witch. She doesn't have a wand. She yeah, doesn't she does. portray any magic in the film. She just turns into is, a snake. No, she yeah, doesn't. But the, the turning just into a snake it. is a she ago. does it at will. So. Yeah, but that's the blood curse. She does for now. That's not necessarily a witch spell or magic created by a witch. That's a blood curse. I, yeah, but I'm. I and mean, she doesn't have a wand. Well, according to what is this? Cora.com. It says she was yeah. not a witch, but yeah. a maledictus. See? So somebody had, like, someone, but, like, if, if it's a magical ailment. I mean, maybe ailment, she was. Right, it's a magical ailment, and surely her family is a bloodline of witches and wizards, but that doesn't necessarily make her a witch. She might just have that blood curse. Just saying, just throwing it out there. Doesn't I could be totally wrong. I just I wonder. I just think it's weird that she's in this magical community, and after they get, she doesn't have a wand. I mean, I wonder if she's a if squib. She, well, if she had had a wand prior to being in the circus, don't you think she could have defended herself, and he wouldn't have been able to capture her? Unless I mean, like, he had to have captured her to force her to perform in this circus. I don't think anybody willingly would have been put in that because he was mean to her. He was not a nice man to her, and most of, everything in the circus was in chains. Well, but Credence willingly put himself there. Yeah, well, That's because I mean, he was looking for something. Too. I mean, we don't know right. her story though. And he, he was on a mission. But she wasn't. He, but he but, wasn't in chains either. Well, but Credence he also didn't chains. have like a crazy, you know, like she did. You know, he couldn't transform into a snake. All right. I wonder. I wonder if, if the maledictus turned her into like a squib, to where she comes from a magical family, but she doesn't have magical powers. I mean, like, I mean, could be because we don't know of any other maledictus other than the theory that Draco's wife may be a maledictus. It's never confirmed, but he does say that she has a blood 
ailment in that and that what he calls it a blood ailment or yeah, something and she dies in the cursed child and then she dies yeah but i don't think he ever calls it a blood curse i think he says an ailment doria greengrass hold on I'm doing some digging yeah it just says astoria died due to the toll of her family curse So that could be a blood curse. Then again, it could be something totally different. We just don't know. All right. A lot of people speculate that it that she was a maledictus too. Yeah, but then why would she die and not become a creature? Um, I think the theory was she didn't want to, so she... Uh, committed suicide I, th- I think that's what I read or heard I'm not positive I can't remember and I thought I read somewhere that like she wasn't supposed to um, have like having a child like weakened her even more right but she wanted to to carry out the Malfoy name Yeah, a sort of I think Draco says that in the cursed child. I think he says that. I think he said uh, she right wanted here. to. Yeah. Um, the pregnancy greatly weakened her, and the family vanished into seclusion when Scorpius was born. So yeah, so it, it, whatever she had, having a baby made it worse. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just wanted to throw that out there about credence because I, I think that I, th- I think there's so much more that's going to come in the later movies, and I, yeah. I think it's I think there are clues that have been given, and a lot of people haven't seen the clues, especially with those extended scenes. I mean, if that had been in the, I think that's something very pivotal that should have been in the just the way that he controlled it, and he was calm controlling it, and you don't see it unless you've got this other version you know and those there are people who just saw the the theatrical version so they've got in their heads that he can't actually control this so i feel like where it like (laughs) where we are with like fantastic beasts would be like somebody trying to do a podcast in like the early 2000s you know like on the harry potter stuff there's just so much that that is going to happen that we just can't even you can't even begin to imagine. Right. And like we're just basing a lot of it on speculation until yep. they actually come out. <clears throat> okay. Well, I just wanted to throw that out there. At least we didn't get off track yeah. with something that wasn't Harry Potter related. Right. Okay, who um all right, so Jules, Jules you're going first. Yeah, I'm going first today. All right. So we're talking about the Lovegood family. I'm gonna start with Xenophilius Lovegood. Etymology. Xenophilius is derived from the word xenophile, denoting a person attracted to that which is foreign or alien and derived from the Greek root forms 
Zeno, meaning alien, strange or guest, and phila, meaning friendship, fondness, and affection. Love good is a simple compound word, love plus good, connotating the simple and true quality of their affections. Um, Pandora Lovegood was the wife of Xenophilius and the, mon- the mother of Luna. Um, she was killed in quite, or she was quite an extraordinary witch who liked to experiment. Killed when one of her spells badly went wrong. Luna, who saw the a- accident happen, was nine years old at the time. And that's the reason why Luna conceives of the Thestrals. Um, and it was also stated that Pandora Lovegood looks something like her daughter. Um, so Xenophilius, he's a male. He's a wizard. Um, we don't have too much information about his blood status. Um, his hair, shoulder length, white hair with the texture of candy floss or cotton candy for us Americans. His eyes, he's slightly cross-eyed with one eye pointing inward at his nose and one good eye with normal movement. He is the editor of the Quibbler and the father of Luna Lovegood. And he has been widowed since 1990 and he is unusually open-minded to the point where the quibbler is not taken seriously um xenophilius agreed to publish rita skeeter's exclusive interview giving harry potter's versions of the events surrounding voldemort's return in june 1995 after the ministry of magic and the daily prophet changed their tune about Voldemort's return in June 1996, Mr. Lovegood sold the interview to the Daily Prophet for a very good price. Later, during Voldemort's second rise in the Wizarding World, the Quibbler's editorial policy was steadfast supporting Harry to impress upon the Wizarding World that it is everyone's first duty to help Harry. It appeared he... he ugh. He appears to be somewhat of a naturalist because he apparently used the money from the sale of of the Harry Potter interview to the Daily Prophet to finance a trip to Sweden with his daughter to try to catch a crumple horn snorkak. And in general, his magazine seems to expand a lot of effort on stories about unusual and probably mythological magical beasts. He obtained what he believed to be the horn of a crumple horn snorkak. An enormous gray spiral horn, not unlike that of a unicorn. Hermione recognized that this horn was in fact an irrumpent horn, a class B tradable material prone to explode at the slightest touch. Unfortunately, well, Hermione was right. A poorly aimed stunning spell from Xenophilius hit the irrumpent horn, setting off an explosion that demolished his home. Oh, and I I don't I forgot to mention, um, the Lovegoods are somewhat neighbors to the Weasleys and the Diggerys. Oh, and I lost my spot, of course. Okay. It was from the mouth of Xenophilius that we first hear of the Deathly Hallows, identified as, as such. Um, I forgot what I was going to say. Okay, well, Harry, Ron, and Hermione go to visit Mr. Lovegood a couple days after Christmas, 1997, to ask him to explain the symbol he was wearing on his his cloak at the wedding of Bill Weasley and Flor Delacour, and to which Victor Crumb denounced as Grindelwald's sign. Mr. Lovegood explained that the symbol, an eye circumscribed by a triangle with a single vertical line through it, was worn by believers in and seekers of the Deathly Hallows to identify themselves to one another. I think, like, 
that would compare to similar to like the, the the Freemasons. I think they have like a secret symbol um where they can like recognize one another. Yeah, they've got it's uh It's on the dollar like an bill. eye or something, it's isn't it? Well, it's like a triangle. It's that's like the a, Illuminati. Well, the Freemasons have um <laughs> the Freemasons have it's it looks like a a triangle. Well, it looks like the top of a triangle and then like, the bottom part flourishes out and then there's like the symbol in the center of it. That only the only reason that I know that is oh, I because that I movie. just watched National uh, Treasure. It reminds me of a math compass. And the and the Freemasons are in Yeah. Yeah, kind of like that. So I mean, it, it's a, like like a little secret symbol, where like they can the recognize so, uh, each other. The Society of the Cincinnati so, had yeah. them as well. It was a different symbol, but 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 like you know, there, there goes J.K. Rowling again, pulling in something from from real life and putting it in a Potter, like always. Um. He encourages Hermione to read aloud from the book the tales of the Beetle the Bard. Isn't it Beetle the Bard? Her inheritance from Dumbledore. The tale of the three brothers, which sets forth the myth associated with the Deathly Hallows. In an in-depth discussion amongst the trio and Xenophilius ensues about the three Deathly Hallows, their nature and possible locations. Xenophilius' daughter, Luna Lovegood, was kidnapped on the Hogwarts Express on her way home for the Christmas holidays because of what Mr. Lovegood had been writing in the Quibbler. She was imprisoned in the basement of the Malfoy Mansion, joining Ollivander, who was also imprisoned there. In an attempt was to- it... Sorry to interrupt, but was it... Uh, uh, was it... Sh- yeah, but... Uh, was Grip it Dean or Seamus? One of them... Yeah... Dean. Okay, Dean yeah. was in, Dean was in the basement as well. Yeah. Um ingratiate is that word. Thanks. In, in order to, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, I don't even know. In, in an attempt to ingratiate himself with her captors and secure his daughter's release, Xenophilia summoned Death Eaters to his home to exchange Harry for his daughter. The, the Death Eaters, Travers and Selwyn, isn't that the one that that yes. Umbridge claims she's related to? Selwyn, yeah. Yeah, the Selwyn family. Yeah. <laughs> uh, failed. Sorry, random thought. Failed to capture Harry, Ron, and Hermione. And before the trio's escape, Hermione used the Obliviate charm to wipe Mister Lovegood's memory of their visit, in anticipation of his likely interrogation by the Death Eaters. Hermione devised for the trio a plan of escape that allowed the Death Eaters a glimpse of Harry before they disapparated out of the ruins of Mr. Lovegood's home. Hermione hoped that the glimpse of Harry would convince the Death Eaters that he had not been summoned that they had not been summoned to the Lovegood home on a wild goose chase and therefore inspire their leniency towards Xenophilius. Mr. Lovegood ended up captured and imprisoned as confirmed on Potterwatch likely incarcerated in Azkaban a repository for Voldemort's enemies since his takeover of the Ministry of Magic and subsequently released at Voldemort's fall. Um, like I said, her, his family, his wife Pandora, died in an accident, and he has one daughter, Luna. Robin, you're up. 
I, I actually just pushed my mic to take it off mute, and I was just to talk in, and it was not off mute. Y'all, so I apologize. We are quarantine so let me restart hotness. that. Luna, I love Luna. Sorry, good. And the thing about it is, I get to get out, so I, well, it's I have the no excuse. Well, that we're not like face to face. Okay, so I'm I ready. Know. I don't like it. I I said so I went to go see my uh, I got toilet paper and paper towels from my uh, BFF, and she was like, "Okay, so Michael's going." Her husband, she was Michael's going out to get gas. He'll meet you. I said, "No, no, no. I'm bringing this to your house. I'm going to put it in your garage, and then I'll stand at the garage door, and then you come to the side door of the house, and we will talk because that's like ten feet." She was like, "Oh my god, okay, I totally forgot." I was like, "Really?" It's been it's like been a, a whole hot two minute. months. All right, go ahead. So anyway, it's, I can't stand it. All right. So Miss Luna is female. Her birth date is February 13th, 1981. Could we not no, put that on the 14th? Because screw Valentine's could, Day. Could you not? Because, Plus, I think that's... I mean, really? Yeah, it's the dumbest holiday ever. What? I also hate Mother's Day, which is tomorrow. So it is a dumb holiday, but still, been cool if she'd have been on the uh, uh, she'd have been on the fourteenth. That'd have been awesome. Okay, come on, that'd have been fun. <laughs> she is a witch, and she is a pure blood. Um, her other names Ooh. are Looney, which I don't like. Her hair is dirty long, dirty blonde. It's waist length, and it's straggly. And I like that. I like that she's not perfect in the she just lets her hair go. She could care less. I just love about it. About like me today. Um she has proved It's about like proved, me and my hair today. Do what? <laughs> I actually went to work so I had to take a shower. Uh, she has protuberant, silvery gray eyes. And I love that also about her. It, they're not blue. They're not gray. They're not green. They're silvery gray. It's almost like her eye color Quirks. matches her personality. And it, it, it's, it's very quirky, the silvery gray eyes. Um, and she has very faint eyebrows that give her a permanent surprise look, which I love that as well. Uh, particularly since she doesn't seem to blink as much as a normal person. She always has a dreamy look and often seems to have turned up wherever she is, com- wherever she is completely by accident. Her Patronus is a hare. Uh, uh, she's in, uh, Ravenclaw at Hogwarts. Uh, she is affiliated with Double Doors Army and the Quibbler. She becomes a famous naturalist and discovers and classifies many new species of animals during her career. She never, however, found a crumple horn snorkak. She is related to the Lovegood family and the Scamander family. So Luna is a witch in Jenny's year, so she's one year behind Harry. She's a brave member of Dumbledore's army. And we know that for the fact that out of all the ones that were called um, at the end, she was one of the ones that uh, in the seventh year, she was one of the ones that showed up. She also was there for Harry in the fifth. um, Sorry, my dogs and wife are fighting. Uh, She was there uh, when they went to the uh, ministry to save. 
serious. Lord have mercy. Uh, they consider her, she is considered a bit weird by her classmates. She comes by this reputation honestly. She simply isn't like the other kids at all. She dresses unusually. She proclaims her strange beliefs openly. And in some ways, she seems to be completely out of touch with what's going on around her. She has a somewhat bizarre sense of appropriate social behavior. Hello, Sheldon Lee Cooper. For example, for a Quidditch match where the students waved banners and wore rosettes and team colors, Luna sported a hat with a life-size lion's head on it, which roared very realistically. While commenting a match, she ignored such mundane things as the score and speculated on possible ailments afflicting the players, which I love when we get to that part in that um, in that book, I love her commentary. I think it's hysterical. Luna takes after her father and having a very open mind and consequently a number of unusual beliefs. She also has unusual habits, putting her wand behind her hair, behind her ear for safekeeping. And just, I, I would totally do that. I would totally stick that bad boy right behind my ear. Um, she wears odd items as jewelry, jewelry as such as necklaces, a necklace of butterbeer corks and radishes for earrings. As it turns out, the radishes are dirigible plums, which the love goods cultivate and believe to enhance the ability to accept the extraordinary. So that she did that on purpose. She is often the butt of jokes. Her particular habits and odd beliefs make her the target of teasing and ridicule. And the one thing about that, she doesn't, she doesn't, she just lets that roll off of her back like a, like water off of a duck. She doesn't really let, it doesn't get to her. She's, she's just like, that's just the way people are. And I'm the way that I am. And she just goes on with her life with that, with, which I think says a lot about her, her parents mainly her father because he raised her more because her mother died but he's like the same way and so she has a high opinion of herself that she doesn't allow that to get her down um others like to steal her possessions all through the year and she is forced to put up notices on the last day of term asking for them back through it all, Luna is surprisingly patient and accepting. She doesn't fight back or even seem to notice, although she is certainly aware of much of the teasing. And she knows that her nickname is Looney. For example, she mentions it to Harry in a very matter-of-fact way. Harry met Luna for the first time aboard the Hogwarts Express on September 1st, 1995. He, Jenny, and Neville shared a compartment with her on the train. She was reading a copy of The Quibbler upside down. She informed the others that her father was the editor of the Quibbler, a magazine which most of the wizarding world consider a joke. She laughed a little too loud. She stared at the other kids and generally made an odd traveling companion. Harry privately thought when Cho Chang happened by their compartment to say hello that he would much rather be sitting with cooler kids than Luna and Neville. Uh, She can see Thestral's uh, because she witnessed her mother's death when she was nine. Harry is very unsure about her, especially when it turned out that she was the only one that he knew who could see the Thestrals. 
She told him that he was as sane as she was, which wasn't all that comforting to hear. Over the course of the year, Luna proved to be a faithful friend to Harry and his friends. She supported the Gryffindor team against every other house except Ravenclaw. She took a stand in favor of believing Harry in front of a group of other fourth and fifth year students. She joined Dumbledore's army and worked very hard. That training paid off in the Battle of the Department of Mysteries, during which she fought bravely against the Death Eaters in June of 96. She was the only non-Gryffindor member, Gryffindor member to do so. Her greatest moment, however, came at the very end of 95-96 school year. Harry was suffering terribly from the loss of his godfather, and he spent a frantic few hours trying to find some ways to contact Sirius. He tried methods similar to seances and contacted ghosts to try to talk to the dead, but found comfort in none of these. When Luna encountered Harry, she spoke of the comfort with which he has in knowing that she will see her dead mother again, which brought true comfort to Harry. Just like being able to see the Thestrals, Luna and Harry both heard whispers from behind the veil in the Department of Mysteries. Luna seems to be more serene, composed than most of her peers. She often stares off into the distance and seems detached from what is going on around her. She deeply, Her deeply held beliefs, although not understood or accepted by those around her, do give her a certain dignity. By the end of 95-96 school year, she was much more accepted as a friend and comrade by Harry, Ron, and Hermione. She lives with her father, Zeno, Phileas, Lovegood, in a house shaped like a rook or a round castle tower near Ottery St. Catchpole. The interior is decorated eccentrically as one would expect from Luna with bright paintings on everything. On her bedroom ceiling, she painted the pictures of Harry, Ron, Hermione, Jenny, and Neville's faces and entwined them with the golden chain of the repeating words, friends. This touched Harry deeply. Her mother was a quite extraordinary witch who loved to experiment. When Luna was nine years old, one of her mother's spells went rather horribly wrong and she was killed. Luna still misses her terribly, but she finds comfort knowing that she will see her again one day in the afterlife. Luna does resemble her mother. She came into her own during her sixth year at Hogwarts. With Harry, Ron, and Hermione gone from school, she joined Jenny and Neville to revive Dumbledore's army and resist the Death Eaters. Influenced at influ- the Death Eaters' influence at Hogwarts. She was kidnapped on the ex- Hogwarts Express on her way home from the Christmas holidays because of what Mr. Lovegood had been writing in the Quibbler and imprisoned in the cellar at Malfoy Manor along with Ollivander. She was helpful in their efforts to escape the Malfoy, to escape Malfoy Manor and then fought bravely again at the Battle of Hogwarts. It was Luna who suggested the lost diadem of Ravenclaw might be the remaining Horcrux. She was found, <coughs> she was found of reciting the phrase, that is inscribed on the diadem, wit without measure is man's greatest treasure. Perhaps in Luna's case, the phrase would be better quoted as wit and faith and love are man's greatest treasure. Luna possesses all these without measure and has proven to be a treasure indeed. During her sixth year at Hogwarts, Luna, Jenny, and Neville tried to steal the sword of Gryffindor from the headmaster Snape's office, For punishment, they were told to help Hagrid with something in the Forbidden Forest. Um, I'm going to – I'm not going to go any further because that gives – My part. uh, 
I've got information on stuff. Yeah, that you were gonna do. I'm gonna I'm gonna do her wand, which is unknown. But after she befriended Mister Ollivander in the basement at Malfoy Manor, where they were prisoners, he made her a new wand and sent it to her at Shell College, Shell Cottage. But it doesn't it doesn't say what it is. And then etymology, loony. It's English slang, crazy from lunatic, which is from Luna, which is Latin for the moon, derived from the belief that sanity is affected by the phase of the moon. Uh, rolling on Luna. I don't know where she came from, but I really like Luna. She's really fun to write. She's slightly out of step in many ways, but she's the anti-Hermione. Hermione's so logical and inflexible inflexible in so many ways, and Luna is likely to believe ten impossible things before breakfast. Rita Skeeter delights in saying horrible things about Luna, including that her rainbow-spangled wedding dress with a unicorn horn tiara was voted the most hideous outfit of the year. But Rita's readers, and that by readers, oh my god, by Rita's readers, and that Luna's twin sons are too disturbed to be seen in public. I'm not going to say their names because I'm not going to say they're going to go over that. uh, JK says that Luna became a very famous uh, wizarding naturalist who discovered and classified many new species of animals. Though, alas, she never did find a crumple-horned snorkak and finally had to accept that her father might have made that one up. So, um, I just kind of went into talking about her husband. She married um, Rolf Scamander, who was born into the um, the Scamander family. He is Newton um, Tina's grandson. Um, at the age of 11, he obtained a wand um, and he went to Hogwarts. Um, so Luna and Rolf met out of Hogwarts and they, so their timeline is skewed from Harry and Ron or, um, from um, Je- Harry and Jenny and Ron and Hermione, they all had kids young, whereas Luna and Rolf had their kids older. Um, so they were both naturalists and they both spent time globe trotting and looking for weird creatures. According to Rita Skeeter, he had an unforgettably shocked expression when he saw Luna's wedding dress. Her dress was decorated with rainbows and spangles, and she wore a tiara of silver unicorn horns. Like Robin said, the dress was voted most hideous outfit of the year by Rita's. Wow, here we go. This is really hard to say. Okay. By readers of Skeeter's regularly daily profit call. So it's, yeah. Right? Very hard to say. That is kind of so hard. It's like a tongue All right. twister. So um, by the 2010s, Rolf Scamander was the chief consulting magizoologist to the Daily Prophet. Rolf covered various different creatures in his newspaper column and would have much knowledge of the creatures he covered. He also enjoyed exploring for strange new creatures with his wife. Um, it Can anyone confirm, like, was... Was Luna a magizoologist? Like, I couldn't find, like, an exact job for her. I, I, don't, I don't think she was ever classified as a magizoologist. I just think she took on the mantle of 
naturalist and just went hunting with him. The creatures. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. I don't think she okay. took on that mantle. All right, like he did. Sense. All right. Um. So Rolf was a highly talented and professional journalist and a skilled newspaper reporter on various articles and events in his field. His pieces in the paper were both insightful and informative, showing he had a high degree of journalistic integrity and that took his and that he took his career seriously. It was in capacity. It was in this capacity that he remarked about the Argentinian Council of Magic's lack of foresight over the organization of the opening ceremony of the 2014 Quidditch World Cup, which escalated into a fight between various team mascots prompted by an attempt to make the hmm, Fijian Dukawaga and the Norwegian Selman share a lake. Impressed. That was, I guess, perfect pronunciation. Awesome. I'm going to go with you did that very well. It was just, yay. Oh, Sam. Okay. All right. So he also, um, he when he attended the 2014 Quidditch World Cup, uh, he and Luna both sat in the VIP boxes um, where he held an interesting conversation with Charlie Weasley and he held Luna's hands, which might have been because he was trying to prevent his wife from putting on one of her famous special event hats, according to Rita Skeeter. I think that's hilarious. It's Rita, but I think it's funny. Um. I I get. I love that it's like according to Rita Skeeter, and she twists. He was holding her hands. He loves her, and he's you know. But Rita makes it out to where he's oh he's preventing her from you know putting on the special hat he probably didn't care that she put on those hats or whatever i just love how rita skeeter what is it you why are you so fixated with this particular person that you have to be so freaking mean who are you i mean what are you what's going on i mean is it does it go all the way back to when she did the interview of harry for the quibbler i mean what what's the problem i mean why are you so she is no longer in school. She's coming to her own. Eh, and, but Luna yeah, and you're still going to bully her? What the hell? But, I don't get it. No, she doesn't. But still, why? I mean, what are you, well, why and are I mean, you it's, trying to it's still It's the bully same her? thing with why? like, it, it, because it's a journalist thing, right? It's like the same thing with Prince Harry and Meghan. Like all the journalists still want to know what they're doing. And I'm like, I don't care. Let them be normal people. So, you know. Uh, but oh, to, to kind of you know yeah, build okay. off of of the Luna and Rolf's relationship, like he wouldn't have cared if she put that hat on. Like I, I promise you, like there's so many things out there that said that they had a loving relationship and that he loved her quirks, and so he would have let her put the hat on. So he was just holding her hand because he wanted to. Um. So. Yeah, I, I, I'm going yeah. with that too. Yeah, well, I, and totally I mean, agree with you on that. Yeah, yeah, he's a scamander too, so I'm sure it wasn't all of that out of the normal, you know? Because like growing up around erumpens, that would be kind of weird. So, you know, his yeah. grandpa, 
Exactly. Yeah. I love how you said that. Well, he's you know, a, I he's mean, a commander Newt too. dances with a rumpus, so <laughs> I'm sure he's seen weird things in his life. Um, all right. So in 2019, right, yeah. uh, he assisted prospective members of the then recently established Statute of Secrecy Task Force see- seeking a career as magizoologist to whom he shared the expertise passed down to him from his celebrated grandfather on how to understand the mind of the Arumpet, as well as his research about the Akamis, hoping to hoping it would help them in the field. Um, so in 2019, uh, Luna met at least one of the members of the recently created Statue of Secrecy Task Force, um, whom she dazzled with her knowledge about the many ways in which magical creatures protect themselves. Luna also instructed them on how she performed the stamina charm, which instantly improved their casting, both when used on themselves and teammates, and allowed them to accompany her in her search for bow truckles and thunderbirds to mentor them and how to detect and look after them, improving their focus. If you didn't know, that's from um, the... Was it Unite? Is that what it's called? The Pokemon Go of Harry Potter? That's what we're calling it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's been out for like a year now. now. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right, so yeah. Ralph and Luna had twin sons, uh, Lorcan and Lysander. Um, Lorcan means little fierce one in Gaelic. I love that. Um, so Lysander is the name of a principal character in Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night Dream, um, which the play takes place uh, at night, which is lit by lit by moonlight as. Oberon states, which harkens back to Lysander's mother, Luna. Uh, Luna, or Lysander was also the name of a Spartan general. Uh, Rolf is a name uh, formed by the two word, or, okay, so this word is Nordic, so I'm going to butcher it. Uh, it's Hordor, H-R-O-D-R, and Ulf, meaning honor and wolf. So respectively, his name therefore means honorable wolf. You know who in, also um, had the um, name Hordor? Um, Game of Thrones. But it wasn't Hordor. It was Game of Thrones. Ho- it was yep. Hodor. 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 Yeah. But yeah, that's that's Luna. I'm I'm slightly disappointed on the lack of the of information that we have on the Lovegood family. I feel like I want to know more about like her grandparents and like her great grandparents because like you know Xenophilius and Pandora didn't get to be weird by themselves. So <laughs> right. Oh no, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I'm hoping I'm hoping but there's a lot of family. There's a lot yeah, of family that's, that's she just doesn't like, have backgrounds on. Um, yeah, hopefully they'll write more, more on her eventually. So, or her family. So, all right. So, moving into history of magic. Um, this is on a chocolate frog card. You know what? I'm gonna skip this one because I don't have a um a solid a solid um source for it so let me let me go pull the next one in the line here all 
Sorry, guys. Like it, it was originally a. I think it's supposed to be a chocolate frog card, but I'm not super sure about it. Um, so in 1269, Barbarius Bragg becomes chief of the Wizards Council. So Bragg's tenure is marked by a boorish actions, including the introduction of cruel snidget hunting into the sport of Quidditch. Um, so it was in canon, which was in Quidditch through the ages, which I believe would be chapter four. But the snidget is um, a little bird. So, and that's that. That's that. <laughs> I listen to way too much Muggle cast because of the little you did a little umbrage laugh. <laughs> they like play it anytime. Like they're doing. Um, is they're they're on order of the phoenix they're doing a umbrage sex count and every time they add to the count they like That's play funny. her little <laughs> oh it's it. hilarious it's great we need to get some sound effects in here robin have fun yeah, Robin. I'm not going to answer that's that. True. Because that's true. Robin is the only one who's with. smart. En- well, okay, let me rephrase this. I think Jules and I are probably both smart enough to figure out how to edit, but Robin has like this magic touch with technology that I know I don't have. So, <laughs> as I'm over here, I just like, go to Googling YouTube and watch stick. what they tell me to edit. I just go to YouTube and do what they tell me to do. That's all. Yeah, I just got a fire stick for 20 bucks. So while y'all were chatting, I was trying to figure it's so out funny because like while you guys were talking, I was I was Etsy shopping for Harry Potter stuff. So it was related. <laughs> y'all were the oh worst. Oh my gosh. Y'all was crazy. Crazy. <laughs> Next let's we, we right. need to start a uh, a new section of the podcast. What did you do today while we were recording? <laughs> How did you spend your, your listening and moments? shopping? <laughs> All right, so right. I actually did something for the podcast while we were li- while we were recording. I posted our um, picture, so thank That's you very why much. You're, At least I did something. You're for better the podcast. than both of us. Yes, yeah, slackers. <laughs> oh, um, are we? Never mind. Okay, uh, so be sure to join our Facebook page, Ridiculous Podcast Group, and at Twitter and Instagram at Ridiculous Pod. You can follow me on Instagram at Samantha Goddard O three. You can follow me at Running My Pups, and you can follow me at J Saint John zero four two two. Also, be sure yes, to rate and review us on iTunes. There we go. Perfect. That works. Join us next, and we're doing Patronuses, right? We're going to discuss Patronuses. I don't next know. Week. Y'all tell me what we're doing, and I'll show up. Sure. <laughs> right. Possibly not. Okay, so we th- we How think about- we're going to do Patronuses, but then again, it, we could say, um, do something different, and it'll be a surprise. We're going to talk about. Also, if you have any suggestions, yeah, we're gonna keep about, yeah. sorry, if you have any suggestions, for- um, drop them in the Facebook group or the page. We would love them. Yes. Yes, please. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't think we'll ever yeah, run either. out of uh, subjects. 
but we'd love to have suggestions as yeah, to Yeah, cuz I mean we want to talk about stuff you guys want to hear about. I mean, we know you want to hear Potter stuff, but like if there's anything specifically you want to to hear about, let us know. So. Right? Exactly. Cuz we'll just sit here forever we can and talk and talk and talk. Look, I'm right. pretty We're sure so this yeah, is how recording it. day goes. We start with a FaceTime call and then we move into right well this is quarantine. So then we move into Zencaster and we talk in Zencaster for maybe like 30 minutes. So at this point we're up to maybe an hour. So now we're recording. So here's another hour. And then after we're done recording, we'll probably talk for another hour. So. <laughs> yeah. Nice so thank you for listening. And we hope you come That's back for more I mean. We just talked. <laughs> All right. So yeah. Right. We do not. Nope. Bye, everyone. Hey, I'm not oh, done. No, Stop. Not what are we doing? We're hot mess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that's right. Hold the horses. Hold your cup of horns. We do not need magic to. Tra- <laughs> that's right. We do not need magic to transform the world. We carry all the power we need inside ourselves already. J.K. Rowling. Okay, now. Go be free. Bye, Bye, everyone. And wash your hands. And wash your hands. (laughs) And don't touch your face. face. (laughs) Stop.